proverb says, guard your heart, for out of it comes the issues of life. Pastor Xavier Reese with the simple truth. Your heart has to be bathed in the blood of Christ, in the power of the Spirit of God, in prayer and in the Word every day of your life. Remember Genesis 6-5? His imaginations and intents of the heart are evil continually. The word continually means all day. Psalm 51, David cried out. He says, oh, create in me a new heart, Lord. Cleanse me. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. It doesn't take a very big stain to ruin an expensive garment, or very much cyanide to poison a bucket of water. And in today's Simple Truths study from our series in the Gospel of Mark, Pastor Xavier illustrates that it doesn't take much sin to defile a man's heart either. Let's listen in as he turns to Jesus giving his disciples a fresh perspective of their hearts and ours. Mark chapter 7, verses 1 through 23. Here Jesus Christ tells us in very clear words what defiles a man. In verse 1 of chapter 7, Then the Pharisees and some of the scribes came together to him, having come from Jerusalem. A delegate of Pharisees and scribes have come from Jerusalem. It isn't a leisurely visit. It is an official visit. The Pharisees were the religious rulers. The word means the separated ones. They developed out of the Babylonian captivity those people who had a zeal for God's word. Those people who recognized that the reason they went into captivity was because they had broken God's word and had not paid heed to it. And so they said, we are going to dedicate ourselves to the word and we are never going to disobey it again. We're not going to violate it. Their intention was good. But they get off track. Twisted the scriptures. They took what God had given to Moses and they broke it down. Having this in mind, the law is holy. We broke it. We went into captivity. Here it is. Let's build a fence around it. So let's take it, interpret it, break it down so that we are so meticulous to keep it that in keeping all those meticulous little details, we will never even get close to breaking the law. And what happened very subtly is they began to worship the fence and value it more than what it was keeping. And they violated the law without knowing it. In verse 2, it says, now when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, speaking of defiled hands, that is, with unwashed hands, they found fault. These men found fault with Jesus and his disciples. Why? Because they ate with unwashed hands. But why did they find fault in that? Because they were coming looking for fault. They had already been in opposition to Jesus. Jesus had already been attacked by them. Jesus had already been kicked out of the synagogues. He had given himself to the open-air meetings in Galilee to meet the demands of the multitudes. But these men came to criticize. So it wasn't long before they found fault. Very meticulous, very ceremonial to give an appearance of spirituality. But yet Jesus told them, you know, you strain at a gnat and yet you swallow a camel. A gnat, if it wasn't bled, it had blood in it, Therefore, would defile them. So you see them running down the street and maybe a gnat goes in their mouth and the guy's over there, ah, you know. But yet, he disobeys the word of God in so many other big areas. 
They thought themselves to be more spiritual than the sinners of the marketplace, verse 4 says. They diligently purified everything in spite of all contamination. They go to the marketplace. They knew Gentiles were there, sinners. So they would come back and they would just get all clean, all their washing. And they go through all these rituals. Now Leviticus chapter 11, 12, 13, it gives you all the different things for cleansing. And there's many of those that are legitimate. But they had broken them down and gone beyond. And then they did something that was very dangerous. They flip-flopped them around. And they said, because we do these things, we're spiritual and holy. Now the church does the same thing. There are churches this morning that honor their tradition above the Word of God. You will hear much about their tradition as you go there from week to week, from month to month, but you will hear very little about the Word of God. Notice the outcry of Jesus, verse 6 through 9. His outcry is, you are hypocrites, quoting Isaiah 29, 13. Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written. Secondly, Jesus says they were worshiping God in vain because... They had substituted God's original intent of the word for their interpretations, verse 5 and 7. They were teaching the doctrines of man for the commandments of God. Thirdly, Jesus says they had laid aside God's word and embraced man's traditions. They had put a greater value, verse 8 and 9. They had put a greater value on what man could interpret, what man said, instead of what God said, very simple, very clear. Isn't it interesting? God says, hey... Don't come in fornication. Then a man takes five hours to tell you all about fornication. <laughs> God just says, hey, don't come in fornication. That's all. God says, don't steal. Very simple. Then man tells you what it means not to steal. And he goes through all of this. If you're looking for patterns to live your life, forget it. You'll never find it in the Bible. But if you grab a hold of the principles of the word of God and apply them to your life, you'll be home free. Principles to live by. What's going to honor God? What's going to honor man? What's going to glorify God? What's going to glorify man? Principles, not patterns. Now the illustration is very practical. He gives it to us in verses 10 through 13. He goes right to the heart of the matter. The law. For Moses said, honor your father and mother, and he who curses father and mother, let him be put to the death. But you say, if a man says to his father and mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is Corban, that is, dedicated to the temple, and you no longer let him do anything for his father or his mother, making the word of God of no effect through your traditions which you have handed down, and many such things you do. The law of Moses in verse 10. Matthew 15, 4 says, God commanded... Both terms are used synonymously. Moses said, God commanded. What does it tell us in the scripture? It tells us that it is inspired. Matthew says, God said, God commanded. Mark says, Moses said. Did Moses say? No. God told Moses to say. But when Moses was speaking, it was God's voice, God's word. I don't mean audibly his voice, but I'm talking about his utterance. And so there is great evidence right here between these two passages to show the inspiration of Scripture. It is God-breathed. It isn't man's opinion. It isn't a religious citation. It is God's inspired order. He is quoting Exodus 20, verse 12, the fifth commandment. Honor your father and mother, and the promise there is long days and a good life. Ephesians 6, 1, Colossians 3, 20 picks that up. Same thing. The word honor is a word that means to revere 
seen and putting value to something. The reason why we're to honor our parents is because we are to see a certain value in them. I don't care what your parents did. I don't care what a bad job you think they did. They're your parents and you should revere them and love them and put value on them because without them you wouldn't be here. Some of you had got a real raw deal, but you know what? Now you're in Christ and you have to forgive them, you have to love them and pray for them and show them the love of Jesus Christ. Now look at verse 11 through 13. He applies this illustration to them, the Pharisees and the scribes. First he says, you have told these guys that if they dedicate certain monies to the temple, they are released from the responsibility to their parents. That they say, oh, mom and dad, you know, I wanted to help you, but you know, this money is Corbin. It's dedicated to the temple. They never intended to give it to the temple, but they knew that that was a loophole of the scribes. Well, if I say I'm going to give it, then it's tied up. It's God's money. You know, so often people say, well, you know, I mean, God has blessed me, but it all belongs to God. My house, my car, everything. And then all of a sudden, God requires a little bit. He says, oh, oh, my things. Well, I thought they belonged to God. That Mercedes belongs to God. Well, I've never seen Jesus drive it. <laughs> and so we use a lot of spiritual jargon. They don't belong to Jesus. Your intention is not to give them to Jesus. Now, does that mean that Jesus wants you to give everything? Never. And any church that teaches you that, walk out. You give to God what belongs to God, first of all. And start with a very basic principle. A dime out of every dollar. Secondly, you make sure that it's, you're giving according to how God has blessed you. And then third of all, you make sure that you're giving from your heart, not because people are pressuring you. And you can study that on your own in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9. We did an entire study on that. It should come from your heart. And so they had made the word of God none effect. You have made them, secondly, he says in verse 12, lawbreakers and hypocrites just like you. They're only giving lip service. So now they're just like you. The hope is, people, this morning is not for you to be more like me, but for you and I to be more like Jesus Christ. We're to be molded to His image, not our image. We are in our image, fallen. Jesus said to them, He says, you guys go out across the land and see, make a proselyte. By the time you get done, He's twice worse off a child of the devil. He's had bad teaching and bad example. <laughs> but He says, now, if some of you have parents who need financial help, don't let the church be burdened. You take care of your parents. And if there's no children, he says, and grandchildren, you take care of your grandparents if there's no one else around. You know what the greatest crime today in our society is? There's two big things that are a big pain to us. Children and old people. And so we buy our children off and we institutionalize our old people. Because they're a pain to their children. I tell you, it's a crime. I'm not talking about putting someone in there when you absolutely have to and you can't care for them. But I'll tell you what, nobody will give them the love that you can give them at home. Nobody will, will receive the assurance and the comfort and the attention and the vitality of life that you can give to them at home for any amount of money. And so God is very, very strict on that, very clear on that. But sometimes we don't want to be bothered Thirdly, says you have canceled out God's word through your traditions. Oh, we have to be careful that we don't cancel out God's word through our traditions. Well, we say, you know, we've never done it that way. Well, that's probably the first reason why we should do it that way. Change is good. Change is necessary. Nothing stays the same. But you're always faithful to the God's word. 
You never compromise God's word. Now, the application cannot be missed. Verses 14 through 23. He says, And we had called all the multitudes to him. He said to them, Hear me, everyone, and understand. There is nothing that enters a man from outside which can defile him. But the things which come out of him, these are the things that defile a man. If anyone has an ear to hear, let him hear. And when he had entered a house away from the crowd, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. Here's the application to the multitudes. First, what Jesus has said is to be heard in order to be understood for spiritual relationship. He says right there. He says, hear me, everyone, and understand. When God calls you this morning to come in here, He doesn't ask you to come in here simply just to hear. It's not because He wants you to fill up your notebook. It's not because He wants you to write in your Bible so that everybody can see that you're spiritual. It's that He wants you to grow in Christ. To make that transformation. Secondly, He tells the multitudes, what goes into a man's mouth does not defile him spiritually, but what comes out of him. Verses 15 and 16. Now there are some who will try to lay a guilt trip on you on what you eat, on what you wear, on different things. Paul the Apostle in Romans 14 and Colossians 2 says, you have a freedom to eat whatever you want. You feel that you want to be a vegetarian? Go for it. God be with you. But don't lay that trip on me. Go for it. The Lord be with you. Some of you feel you couldn't wear certain things? Go for it, but don't lay the guilt on somebody else. Now, be careful you can take any of those to extreme. Ladies, you can wear pants in such a way to where they look like they're sprayed on. And the people of God, all they get is revelations from you. <laughs> and you need to be careful. And so there needs to be discretion. Other people want to lay the trip on food and drinks and all this to make it appear that they're spiritual. That doesn't make you spiritual. You can observe all the ritual, all the ceremony you want and be 100% beef. Carnal. And you're putting on an air. Does that mean that it, what goes in me doesn't defile me so I can smoke pot, I can take drugs, I can have sex, no big deal? No, no, no. That's an extreme because the scriptures are very clear about that. No, our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. But Jesus is making a statement in the context. These guys are saying if you eat with unwashed hands, then your food will be contaminated and you'll be spiritually defiled. And they even believe that there were demons that you would partake also. Which brings us to the doctrine that floats around the church every once in a while. That demons can inhabit a Christian body. No way. But it's nothing new. The Pharisees taught it also. Jesus straightened it out. He says that's dumb. Dumb. <laughs> so the application first to the public and the multitude. Secondly, to the disciples, the private teaching, verses 17 through 23. And when he had entered the house away from the crowd, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. So he said to them, Are you thus without understanding also? Do you not perceive that whatever enters a man from outside cannot defile him? Because it does not enter his heart, but his stomach, and is eliminated, thus purifying all foods. And he said, what comes out of a man, that defiles a man. For from within, out of the heart of man, proceeds evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, 
licentiousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a man. Matthew 15, 15 tells us that Peter was a spokesman. Here it says disciples. Matthew says, Peter says, Lord, what do you mean? I like Peter. He is always up front. They were without understanding like the Pharisees and the scribes, verses 18 and 19. Are you thus without understanding also? Who's also? The scribes and Pharisees. They could not understand. Why? Because they had been so polluted by the traditions of men. And you and I have been polluted by so many traditions and philosophies of men. Not only religious, but you guys go to college. You have so much education today that we are polluted by those things. And we have to be careful. And we are spiritually stupid too many times. And we put aside the word of God because we don't want to appear like it were intellectual idiots. And so we say, well, I believe the scripture, but I'll also bring this along. And, and what you do is you contaminate the word of God. And you offend God, but you honor men. He also says they were to understand what comes out of a man is what defiles him. And he says his heart, verse 20 through 23. This is the bottom. This is the source. This is it. As Proverbs says, you're to guard your heart, for out of it comes the issues of life. Your heart has to be bathed in the blood of Christ, in the power of the Spirit of God, in prayer and in the Word every day of your life. Remember Genesis 6, 5? What does it say? His imaginations and intents of the heart are evil continually. The word continually means all day. How many of you can raise your hand up and say, my, my heart doesn't, I have gone a day without that statement coming true. Raise your hand up. I'm glad, I don't want to laugh. We're evil. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart of man is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Only God. Psalm 51, David cried out in verse 10 through 12. He says, oh, create in me a new heart, Lord. Cleanse me. Didn't David know God? Sure, but he knew him also. <laughs> he knew himself. Then he enumerates. He gives us the source, man's heart, evil. Then he gives us the works of the flesh that it produces. Evil thoughts. This is where sinful thoughts are conceived. This is where it all begins, your mind. I've told you often, you have to take your heart and give it to God, the intellect, the mind of Christ, the emotions, and the will. And you have to will to will to do the will of God. And you have this knowledge, you have your emotions, and you dare not let your emotions rule or override what you know, but you need to exercise your will to be true to what you know of God. In spite of your feelings, in spite of your emotions. They're just emotions. They're all right. No big deal. God made us that way. But you dare not run your life by them. But here's where it all starts. Where does it come from? If it starts in my brain. From my heart. And if it produces evil thoughts, that must mean that the heart is evil. Right? There it is again. He says adulteries, that's sex with somebody else who is married and you're married. Fornication, sex before marriage. Then he says murders. This means taking of life. Interesting that it follows adulteries and fornication. When you commit adultery with another man's wife or husband, you have just killed your own mate. And you have just killed the other person's mate and their families. Now thank God that we are forgiven. Thank God that people can be open for reconciliation. But make no mistake, it's murder. Not only that, but it's theft. 
You let a young man take your virtue, young lady, he just ripped you off. He robbed from you, and you just robbed your husband in the future. Women, men, the same thing. If you give yourself away to another young lady, you have just allowed her to rip you off, and you ripped yourself off, and you just ripped off your future wife. Now, thank God for His grace, isn't it? But make no mistake, it's murder and it's theft. Because you took something that didn't belong to you. It belonged to somebody else. Covetousness, a desire to have more, greed. Wickedness, an evil character that is active. It doesn't stop till it gets what it wants. It's evil in nature. Deceit, it means a lure, bait. When you go fishing, you put a worm on the hook. You're saying to the fish, what you see is not what you're going to get. Evil heart. We want to portray something to people, but really our motive is different. And we'll do and we'll say and we'll be whatever we need to until we get whatever we want. Deceit. Licentiousness. An unrestrained sexual instinct to the point where there is no shame. You don't do things just because you want to blow people away. You just don't see anything wrong with them. That's how perverted you are. These are all works of the flesh. Evil eye. It means malicious, evil, grudges. You want to get even. Blasphemy. Speaking evil against God or man. Pride. To show myself on top. And isn't pride the worst thing that God hates? Read it in the Proverbs. How did Satan fall? By pride. What is man's heart? Evil. Why? Because man is proudful. People say we have low self-esteem today. The Bible doesn't say that. Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. What does that teach? First of all, you love yourself so much that if you would love somebody like you love yourself, you would be all right. Don't tell me you don't love yourself. If you didn't love yourself, you wouldn't care that nobody else loved you. But the reason you feel bad that nobody loves you is because you love yourself and you think you should be loved. But low self-esteem sounds good. It's a good cliche word. It's a good psychological buzzword. But it's not a biblical word. Foolishness. Lack of sense. Senselessness. Just plain dumb. This list can be found in Romans 1, 1 Corinthians 5, Galatians 5. Read them and many other portions in Scripture. What defiles a man? His evil heart. The non-believer, he has no hope. He's lost, dead, in trespass and sins. The believer, he still has a problem. <laughs> he has an evil heart, but... He has the Spirit of God, the Word of God, and Christ sitting as Lord, and he doesn't have to yield to it. So he has to reckon himself dead, he has to crucify his flesh, and he has to exercise his will to do the will of God and override his emotions, his feelings, his own desires, and be subject to the will and to the Word of God so that he does not manifest his evil heart. So don't think that you are holy by what you do. You're holy because of who you are. You're a son and a daughter of God. But you have to deal with the old man. You dare not trust your heart. You dare not lean to your own understanding. Because if you do, then you will produce the works of the flesh out of your evil heart. So I pray that God deal with your heart and mind this morning. 
and that we never think that we've arrived or that we are better than anybody else, but that we stay real close to Jesus Christ. Pastor Xavier Reese, exhorting how God doesn't honor works of the flesh or from man's desires, but rather those efforts subjected to His will. Now, just before we close, let me mention that copies of today's Simple Truths message titled, What Defiles a Man, are available on CD for only $4. And this will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. Now, once again, the title to ask for is simply, What Defiles a Man? Or just mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths right here next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 